Case number 22-2459 from the District of North Dakota, Mandan Hadassah Arikara Nation versus United States Department of the Interior. Mr. Burden. May it please the court. My name is Tim Purden, and I represent the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation. This court should reverse the decision below and remand this matter back to the Department of Interior so that a sufficient record can be developed on the tribe's jurisdiction under the second jurisdictional prong of Montana versus United States. In deciding whether to issue Slauson a permit to drill this oil well on the Fort Berthold Reservation, the Bureau of Land Management was required to undertake an analysis under the second prong in Montana to determine whether or not the Mandan, Hidatsa, Arikara Nation, through a tribal ordinance, had jurisdiction over Slauson and that well. They did not. Their position today is they need not undertake that examination. If I'm correct, if MHA Nation is correct that such an analysis is necessary, then the Department of Interior in this case has conceded in their brief that there is not a sufficient record on this subject and proper remedy would be remand. That's where, at page 41 of their brief. Where would this record take place? I, um, you know, sort of looking through the progression of the decision to the review, the state director's review and, and on, I wasn't able to sort of land in a spot where this kind of evidentiary um, hearing would even be an opportunity uh, for the tribe. Right. So uh, to, to, to answer first, the Department of Interior here today in their briefing, the agency that is to determine whether or not uh, uh, this well should be permitted, They've conceded that regardless of the answer to that question, and I will give you my answer, but regardless of that, this has to go back for that determination. Okay? If it's that issue. If, 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 if the Montana if exception. exception. Right. And, and, and to just to finish uh, with Judge Kelly, this question, it's our opinion that in the, in the administrative uh, litigation of this, that when the tribe filed its appeal to the Interior Board of Land Appeals, it requested a, thero a thorough hearing, I'm quoting, a thorough hearing on the setback ordinance. And that that was likely to take place before, as we've called it in our brief, this sort of circular buzzsaw uh, of events uh, stymied and took away from the tribe the ability to present that evidence. It, it, was there any time before that during, it seems like there's been a lot of process, right? The, the EA and the FONSI, and so the, at a minimum there's some overlap of issues, right? Sort yeah. of of the impact of of this well pad and its location on on the, the water, water on the water the supply. Yes. Um, and so, was there was there any point in that process where right. where the so, tribe could have come in and right. sort of said, "Hey, we've got a Montana exception number yeah. two issue." So, wait till she finishes the question. Yes, yeah, so yeah. and I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. Go ahead. Um, it seems like there's been a lot of process. I agree with that. 
But as we sit here today, the United States, the Department of Interior, concedes that that process has been insufficient to establish a factual record on which we can analyze. Well, counsel, they, they say that uh, they're different than Slauson a little bit because they, they quite say, you know, you, the tribe, may still have some kind of jurisdiction over them, right? I'm sorry, I don't understand your question. Okay, well, I'll go very slowly. Yeah. As, as I understand the case, the uh, BLM right. uh, can, takes the position that even after they give the permit and everything that's gone on on this, that your uh, client may still have some kind of jurisdiction over them. I think that the, the, the depart as I understand the department's position here, the, the government's position, it's that they need not under to before, in determining whether or not to give this permit, they don't need to undertake an, a Montana analysis. Correct. Right? That's what I'm I disagree with that. Okay, and I'll, I'll tell you why I disagree with that. I think because, well, I think we take a step back. I think what the Department of Interior is arguing is that the tribe doesn't have jurisdiction over BLM, that the tribe's ordinance is, is not, that's not the tribe's argument. And that's not, the tribe's argument is that the ordinance, which again, I haven't gotten into the facts, but it seems like you, you're with me that, you know, there's this ordinance, you've got to keep the well a certain distance away from the lake, that that ordinance under the second prong of Montana gives the tribe jurisdiction over Slauson and this well. And the, the Department of Interior says, oh, we don't even have to get into that. There's no, there's no jurisdiction over us, BLM, so we don't even have to get into that. And, and that's, that's the error here. That, that this needs to be remanded so we can build a factual basis. I mean, to step back again, under Montana II, the, the, it's a you know, foundational uh, uh, precept in, in federal Indian law that a tribe retains jurisdiction over non-native conduct within the exterior boundaries of the, of the reservation where, uh, where the conduct of the non-native, the non-Indian, threatens or has some direct effect on the political integrity, economic security, and health so and wealth of the tribe. Is it your position that it's the BLM's obligation to initiate that on its own as the agency, or is that something that the tribe needs to, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure, again, I guess it's looping back to my earlier question, or is it the tribe's obligation to sort of step in and say, as, as we need fact-finding, not just on the EA, the FONSI, we need it on this particular issue. Well, Who's, who needs to come forward on that? Well, I, I, I think with where, where we are today, I, I think the government is conceding that, that there's a threshold issue that this court has to decide. Does the Montana second exception, uh, uh, do, does, does the uh, BLM have to undertake an analysis of that? They're conceding that they didn't do that um, and that remand would be necessary. So I think they're conceding that if that is the case, that a remand, that, 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 that a remand should occur and that's where that analysis would take place. And so, so in the, the course of the proceedings, there's several mentions, whether it's on the OHA's reversal, um, they, it mentions Montana and briefly, you know, but that's not, it says, you know, that didn't reach that standard. Then it gets to the district court, the same thing. So are you saying that you're saying that that's never been addressed. And I am trying to kind of figure out, has the Montana exception number two been addressed by the agency, which then, of course, yeah. ref 
impacts whether the district court can right. can rule on something that the agency didn't all, didn't all, all I can all I can glean at this point is that they say today on this appeal that it doesn't apply that the again I think that their position is the tribal ordinance doesn't give the tribe jurisdiction over BLM that is not the tribe's position we're saying that that if and, and here's why it matters if the tribe has excuse me if you undertake a Montana analysis We'll build a factual record and we'll decide, does this impact the potential health and welfare of the tribe? We'll, we'll have that, we'll build that factual record and we'll have that decision. If, if the decision, if the determination is made, yes, uh, a well this close to the tribe's primary water source does create a problem, then what does that mean to BLM as they consider this permit, right? And here's what I would say. That setback uh, law is a valid regulation by the tribe using its, in, its, its retained sovereignty, okay? If BLM recognizes that, that the tribe has jurisdiction over Slauson, has this regulation, they're not in compliance, but they grant the permit anyway, BLM grants the permit anyway, BLM's conduct violates its trust responsibility to protect tribal sovereignty could, and could the, that's the could the tribe sue Slauson directly as sort of I mean there's that carve out in the in the permits but you still have to comply with with local um, and tribal law and I understand it's a little a bit of an oddity because they haven't right but could could the tribe have brought suit and would that have um, triggered the Montana exception number two analysis uh, the tribe could have brought suit uh, but I think that, that had the tribe brought suit, that Slauson and the United States would have argued that the tribe needed to exhaust its administrative res remedies before it brought suit. And the point that you, the second point you made there, the department's position is you don't, we don't need to analyze Montana. But in the permit it actually granted, it said to Slauson, you have to comply with tribal law. We don't know if Slauson is in compliance with tribal law because we've never been uh, – we need a remand to build a factual basis. Have you brought any enforcement action directly against Slauson? The tribe has not filed a suit against Slauson. I have approximately five and a half minutes remaining. I'd like to reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal. You may. Thank you. Ms. Blaha. Good morning. May it please the court – um, I'd like to frame the issue before the court briefly and then uh, turn to the tribe's Montana arguments uh, and then its complaints about the record if the court has questions about those. So just to frame it, the, the only issue before this court is whether the BLM's approval of the permits to drill was arbitrary and capricious. So the burden is on uh, uh, the tribe to show that the agency has not done something that it needed to do or that its action was otherwise arbitrary. And in its brief before this court and even here today, I, I still have not heard anything as to why um, the Bureau of Land Management or the Department of the Interior is required to evaluate the jurisdiction of another sovereign and do that as part of a federal permitting process. The fed but if, if the permit, though, grants a, a private individual um, permission to engage in conduct, Within the within the reservation boundaries, right? So they're kind of the conduit. It, so it's kind of it, BLM's permitting process and Slauson can't be completely separated, can they? Because without the BLM, the private 
Slauson can't conduct its conduct where it wants to conduct it. Well, in this case, that's true because they're accessing a federal lease. But there are other cases. I mean, this is private land overlying private minerals. They're drilling horizontally into a mix of federal private leases. If it was a case where only private leases were being um, tapped, there wouldn't be a BLM role. And that's where, you know, I'll, I'll go jump to the, uh, some of the questions the court was asking earlier. The tribe retains its sovereignty. It has recourse here. The BLM has not done anything to fail to protect or impair the tribe's sovereignty. It can go and bring enforcement action against Slauson or anyone else within its lands that it feels is violating its laws. Now, that the non-Indian might contest jurisdiction, and that is exactly how Montana and every case interpreting Montana has arisen. It is the tribe asserting jurisdiction, saying, we're going to prosecute you in our courts or hear your case in our courts. We're going to assert taxation jurisdiction, law enforcement jurisdiction. And if that's challenged, then that's how Montana, the Montana analysis comes up. It does not come up in permitting, agency permitting decisions. Um, so I, if I'm, I may have deviated too far from your question, but hopefully have you know, gotten to, to... Has this ever, to your knowledge and your experience, has this kind of issue ever come up where a permitting process, um, there's a controversy as to whether tribal law applies? Not to my knowledge, and I found no reported case. And in, in our view, this is unprecedented. Um, and if I can address some of your questions um, to, to my fellow counsel about sort of when and where does this happen, I think that is very much a concern of the agency. So keep in mind the process here, the, the applications for permit to drill, going through an environmental review process, that's governed by federal law, the Mineral Leasing Act, and the agency's regulations. They're doing an environmental assessment. They're talking to um, other interested sovereigns, including the state. Um, as well as the tribe, the decision is being made by a BLM uh, field manager as to whether to approve these permits to drill. It is not the, there's, there's no space in that process and no um, authority, no federal law, no federal regulation that tells the agency, oh, and you need to go and do this, what I think this court acknowledged in attorney's process uh, process services, you know, it's a pretty complex analysis. You should also go and make a legal determination of another sovereign's jurisdiction. It's, it's in our view, quite unprecedented in a, in a permitting context. And so it's not part of what BLM is doing as part of its um, review of the applications for permits to drill. And you know, I think the only issue that's come up here and a little bit of the confusion is that the tribe then started saying, you need to address our jurisdiction. And so some of the administrative appeal um, decisions, the state director uh, decision and then the OHA director's decision, you know, are faced with this argument from the tribe. And so they do address it in a secondary way. They say, well, we don't think you've shown evidence that you have jurisdiction here. But the primary basis that the agency made this decision is this isn't part of our job. This isn't something that we're tasked with doing by Congress, and so but, we're not but, doing and that, it. That's interesting because they do get in. It, th those are two different answers to an argument from the tribe in that process, right? One is, well, that's that's just not that's just not in, in our wheelhouse of of issues to deal with. But they did go one step further and say you haven't 
proven it. You haven't showed it. And so then that sort of triggers, well, if that's the reason you're denying it, we've never had an opportunity. I think their point is then we've never had an opportunity to show it. Does, that, does the reason for the agency's dismissal of that argument matter in, in our review of the agency process? So I think the reasons are, are independent. And I think it's clear that the agency at each stage was always saying, this isn't, you, 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 we're not bound by tribal law. We're not required to make this determination. That was very clear in the initial decision because it, this is, as I say, unprecedented why the agency would be making this decision. And then I think that's clear in the OHA director's decision and, and also in the state directors, but that was maybe more of an intermediate decision. So that was always a basis for rejecting the claims of the tribe. I think you know, the, the decision makers feel compelled to respond to the argument that's being presented to them. And so they also have, they did opine on whether sort of the evidence that the tribe had then brought forward was sufficient to show meeting the second exception but I don't think that was a necessary grounds for the, the denial. And I don't think it's a necessary grounds for this court to kind of reach in and opine on the scope of tribal jurisdiction um, in this so case. So how would the tribe um, establish that this conduct falls within a Montana exception number two in your view? Would it be just directly suing Slauson before, before they got to act on their permits and get some sort of a stay? How would that in your view, how, how would this work? How should this have worked? Yeah, they, I mean, the, I don't know the details of the tribe's sort of enforcement regime for its laws, because it is a separate sovereign, and so the, it, it can handle that separately. But yes, I would think it would notify, it needs to provide notice to Slauson that it's violating a tribal ordinance and move to bring whatever enforcement actions its law provides for to enforce that tribal ordinance. Slauson might then challenge the tribe's jurisdiction, and then those parties can litigate you know, the, the, uh, before perhaps the tribal court first, and then often these things end up before a federal court, litigate the question of whether any of the exceptions that are identified in Montana have been met. So there's absolutely a path, and that is the path that tribes all over the country pursue. Um, that's it's the only path that I'm aware of. Um, in which the question of Montana has been addressed in, in kind of this permitting context. So if I think I've actually addressed the, the bulk of my points. Does the court have any other questions? Well, or what's not? the extent of your concession? The council <laughs> references umpteen times, several times. Uh, your concession. Tell me what you consider the scope of your concession. It's on a couple pages of your brief. I understand that, but tell sure. me, tell me in plain language what it is. Yeah, and what I it is it? Absolutely. I think our concession has been greatly overstated. I think we've um, stated repeatedly that um, this was not necessary for the agency to address this. That it, there's no source of law that requires um, the agency to address this and that that's well reflected in our decision. Um, I think that point was just to make clear that um, because it's not part of the permitting decision, it's not part of that environmental analysis, it's not part of the NEPA analysis, 
And, and this court, as I mentioned before, has recognized it's a pretty complicated factual analysis. The agency isn't saying that it did undertake that. Like we, it, the agency did not undertake a Montana two analysis in the first instance. Um, so if the court finds that as part of every permit that BLM issues, it has to consider the scope of other sovereigns' jurisdiction, specifically here this tribe's jurisdiction, um, we're, we simply conceded we did not do that in the first instance. Um, I think, you know, there's a little bit of a nuance there with respect to the, when uh, the tribe has come forward and said, sort of put forward its evidence as to why it meets the second Montana exception. Again, I'm in a world where I'm not sure who has all the burdens here and when this was supposed to have been addressed, but I think you could also uphold the decision on the basis that they didn't come forward with that evidence. Um, but so our concession is very, very narrow. It's just literally if you if this is really an un, if you want to reach a, a, and hold something that, to our knowledge, has never been held before, which is that the the agency must do this as part of a permitting decision for these permits to drill. The agency did not do that here. Thank you, Council. But, but, you, but you say that that doesn't concede away the case. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I think... Because that gets you to the second point you just made, that the, the tribe didn't, did not come forward, um, although it had the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, um, you know, the, the, what sometimes defendants have to do here, which is we think we should win for this reason, this reason, and this reason. If you reject all of those reasons, you know, what is the appropriate, if we lose, what is, you know, what is the appropriate response? The government often discusses sort of whether a remand is appropriate. So I don't, I don't, I think it's been overblown quite a bit to suggest that we've actually conceded anything yeah, on the merits of the case. Oh, sure, proceed. So if we're in that world, what, in your, in your view, what would have been the appropriate steps for the tribe to take? Um... I know you, th you, you you don't think we're there, but you mentioned it. So what what do you what would be an example here of what the tribe could have done that it didn't do? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm 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 struggling a little because you know agency processes are governed by their regulations and by statute, and and it doesn't really allow for this, and so. I suppose they could have put forward more evidence, first of all, before the decision is made, because that's really when the record is being created. Um, the administrative appeals process is meant to be generally based on the record before the original decision maker. It's not meant to be a time to introduce a lot of new evidence, but there is a process where they can request to submit new evidence, um, but they didn't do so here. So I suppose they could have asked, and if, if the um, Interior Board of Land Appeals or the OHA director thought it was relevant to take new evidence, they have a process for a, having a uh, hearing before an ALJ. But I'm, I'm struggling because yeah. it's just well, unprecedented. I, know that the, um, I think this is correct. Everyone knew in, in the proceeding that the, the tribe had the 1,000-foot the setback, right? But I'm gathering what's really of concern to the tribe is the threat, possible threat to the purity of the lake as far as a source of drinking water. 
So yeah. was any of that? Did the BLM get into any of that? And what's absolutely? I mean, this is absolutely the subject of the environmental review that was done by the the Bureau of Land Management. But they they haven't challenged that. We have a finding of no significant impact here, an environmental assessment that did consider impacts on water. And they didn't bring a NEPA claim. They didn't say that environmental analysis was insufficient. And so was that review and, and findings then published and with the opportunity for, for even public comment? Absolutely. Kind of it was part of a, I mean, this process took six years. There was lots of communication with interested parties. The draft environmental assessment was published, then the final. And this was, uh, this were, these were all subjects that they could you know, address before the agency um, and then before this court if they chose to, if, if they had preserved those claims. But they, they did not. Thank you. Thank you, Judge Benton. Other questions? OK. Thank you for your argument. Mr. McElroy. Good morning, and may it please the court, Dan McRoy on behalf of Slauson. Uh, the agency argues that it was not obligated to assess whether the tribe has jurisdiction, and that is accurate. Uh, but the fact of the matter is they did make that assessment and concluded that the tribe does not have jurisdiction. jurisdiction. And this court can affirm the district court on those grounds as well. And uh, Judge Kelly, you asked the question of what, you know, when did this occur? Did it occur? Did the agency evaluate the Montana question? And I would direct you to Slauson Appendix, pages 31 through 34, when the state director of the BLM said, quote, the tribe has not presented any evidence of why a 600-foot setback compared to a 1,000-foot setback would threaten the health or welfare of the tribe, and went on to apply the, quote, basic rule of Montana that tribes are without jurisdiction to adjudicate or regu regulate the activities of non-members of the tribe. So Montana was uh, applied by the agency, and that is uh, an additional ground on which this court can affirm. But, counsel, that doesn't prevent any enforcement action against you now, right? Uh, the, the tribe could have brought an enforcement no, action. No, can they now bring yeah. an enforcement action against you? It's a, it's a good question. There's probably statute of limitation issues that uh, were not part of this case, and I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, could they have then? Certainly. Could they now? I don't know the answer to that question. Are you operating it? Yes. Okay. How long have you operated it? Uh, the wells have been operational for five years. Thank you. I'm um, sorry. No, you're fine. Um, were you referencing the April 24th um, that state director review when you were quoting? I believe just, that. I, I can't remember the day off the top of my head. And maybe you can help me understand that document. It just sort of lays out the arguments on either side and then just says we, we what, we affirm the decision of March 10th. Like, what you've quoted, I thought, was just quoting what your client or BLM said rather than what the state director's review was saying? No, that is the state director uh, responding to. So the state director lays out the tribe's arguments and then provides a response and so that's on behalf of the BLM. Okay, so that's when they say BLM. They're speaking on behalf of the BLM. Correct. So, so the way it works is the BLM does this investigation comes up with its uh, conclusions, issues the permits, and then the tribe has a right to uh, appeal that to the director, the state director of the BLM, BLM. Uh, which is what, uh, what, what they did. So uh, I'll just briefly note the, the Montana standard. Uh, it's uncontested here. We're the only ones. We're the only party who laid out what that standard is. And there's two key uncontested points. One, because this is non-tribal activity on non-tribal land, 
the effort at regulation here is presumptively invalid. And two, the tribe has the burden of showing, uh, had the burden of showing the agency, uh, of proving to the agency, uh, overcoming that presumption uh, by showing that uh, this project poses a catastrophic threat and that regulation is necessary to avoid it. They didn't show that in front of the agency. Uh, they didn't show it in the district court. They haven't even tried to show that uh, here. So uh, again, Montana uh, presents uh, another ground on which this court can affirm uh, the district court. As for this supposed concession that the government made, the government is not able to effectively concede anything. Uh, the question this court has to answer is whether the, uh, uh, the administrative record contains a rational basis for the final agency action, and it does. And a change in litigation position, uh, what they're saying now is different than what they said in the district court. A change in litigation position does not. You say the government is saying something different. Correct. They argued the same thing we argued in the district court. That change in position does not alter in any way the administrative record or, and whether it contains a rational basis. And with my 10 seconds, I just want to note it hasn't gotten much airtime here, but the tribe had every opportunity to develop a factual record. They had many, they had years of opportunities to submit whatever evidence they have. They didn't do so, and it's too late to do so now. Thank you for your argument. Thank you. Mr. Purden. The, uh, the government says that the request by the tribe here to, to have the, the agency take a look at the Montana uh, applicability of the tribe's jurisdiction over Slauson is unprecedented. This is belayed by the permit in this case. The uh, permit in this well, case. What about, what about the precedent? Do you have a case or a similar situation of cases? There have been lots of tax cases, I know. <clears throat> Well, uh, by, the, the, by, the, by tribes all across the country. There's no case on point with, with this situation. I concur with that. Right, but the permit in this case says, it is the responsibility of the operator, Slauson, to obtain all necessary permits and comply with all applicable federal, state, and tribal laws, policies, regulations, and easements. The permit in this case says this. But BLM says it's unprecedented that they would determine whether or not that condition is being fulfilled. Further, I, I direct the court to the footnote one in BLM's brief on page 31, where it, the BLM says, well, yeah, we didn't examine Montana and determine whether or not they have to, detribe, have to comply with tribal law in this case, but we have the discretion to do that, and sometimes we do that. They say, as a matter of discretion and pursuant to its federal authorities, BLM may require that operators demonstrate compliance with the requirements found in tribal law, and th thus, in appropriate circumstances, under federal law, BLM may exercise its discretion to require that operators demonstrate compliance with tribal law. So they're saying, we sometimes do this, but it's unprecedented that we would be asked to do this. That is incongruous, incongruous and, and, and those arguments should be rejected. Finally, I don't believe it's contested here, but the fact of the matter is, is that currently on the MHA reservation, as additional well pads are approved, the BLM is requiring operators to comply with the setback. But that's on tribal land? Is that what you, what you said? In similar, in similar situations. In similar situations. And that's not in the record, That's though. not in the record, but oh I don't boy, believe it's contested. Oh, boy, it's administrative review proceeding. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that to say that this is unprecedented um, is belied by the, the department's routine or the BLM's routine conduct in dealing with these issues. Well, is the, is the um, uh, requirement of tribal 
law or regulation that the tribe uh, wants to enforce here? Is it solely the the one thousand foot setback? That, that I mean, is it something? Is it is it just the thousand foot setback, or is it something else that the tribe has this evidence that? Anything closer to the lake is going to pollute the, the, the lake water, that, the, that kind of thing. The, the tribe wants to have the opportunity to conduct an evidentiary hearing to put on evidence of why the 1,000-foot setback is necessary to protect the health and welfare, welfare of the tribe and thereby create Montana to jurisdiction. Did the environmental assessment and the statement of no significant impact, did that handle that? It did not. I, I don't have the site in front of me. And in, why wasn't that, that the place for you to really make your argument? Well, I, I think that, that Judge Kelly's description of the, the, the uh, state director's decision, which was then a, is, is in, insightful, that, that that's a approval, permit issuing approval process. And then it's at the IBLA, the, the land board appeal, that that opportunity for evidentiary hearing would exist. Uh, as well, counsel, counsel you, didn't, you didn't. You completely dodged my question. It so. did not. It did not. The the, the, the FONSI, the environmental impact statement. If you look through our brief, I don't have it in front of me, but there's very little discussion of the drinking water impact. There's a big discussion of the well, groundwater impact. Did, but my question is, did you object to it? Did you, the tribe, object yes, to the? The tribe appealed uh, routinely. Oh, excuse me. Appeal. Attack the environmental assessment. The, the, tri the environmental assessment led to the permit, which the tribe appealed to the state director, saying no. It appealed it to the state director and then to the IBLA. And under, so, I mean, yes, the tribe has appealed and, and, and pushed back and said, you need to consider our assessment as a matter of protecting our drink water consistently in this litigation. But and wasn't it, there opportunity to present evidence? I, I think that that... tribe? I'm sorry. I, was by the tribe? Wasn't there an opportunity given here in the process to, I, I, to submit evidence and even to request a, an evidentiary hearing? The tribe did request an evidentiary hearing from the IBLA. Said asked for a thorough hearing under the CFRs. They can have an, uh, a CFR uh, 43, CFR 4.415. The IBLA can have an evidentiary hearing. The tribe requested that. And then we had the situation where the, there was a TRO process in federal court and the Office of Administrative Hearings in Washington reached down, reached down into the, the administrative case and pulled this away from the IBLA judge, who actually granted the tribe's stay and said, yes, we need to look at the Montana part of this. We need to look at this. This is an important new issue. We need to have a thorough hearing. So that was the opportunity. I see that my time is up. Uh, I uh, will close by saying that this court should reverse the decision below and remand this matter back to the Department of Interior so we can have this evidentiary hearing to determine the factual basis as to whether or not the tribe has jurisdiction over Slauson and its well. Thank you. Thank you for your argument. Case number 22-2459 is submitted for decision by the court.